All right. How are we feeling? Ready? We're going to take this horse to the Old Town Road. Oh, man. How, wait. <laughs> wait. Hold on. We never got the follow-up the next day. How did that... How did what? How did it play out? Did you like it? Did she like it? What's going on? What? Oh, the remix? Yeah, because the, we weren't listening to it while we were there. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the remix is great. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. Uh, I would say, although I know, I don't know that I like Billy Ray Cyrus that much particularly, uh, but the remix is still a good song, and he delivers it in the same kind of cadence, except that because. He sounds more country or whatever. I guess it's okay. I thought it was it was a good dig at them having him on the track and him just being like, "I can say the same stuff and it's okay for me." Why? Why? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that he was willing to do it. Yeah, totally got him. Gamers Returns. It's episode 151, the Palindrome edition. Nice. Mm -hmm. I like it. Or we should just call this We Were Gamers X Disney. Yeah. Because I feel like that's all we really want to talk about after this. We did spend a sizable amount of time at Disney this past weekend. (laughs) Not just that, but we were all in the same place. As a unit, yeah. We forgot to take an Instagram. That's true. We did forget. <laughs> There's no no wow. proof. No photo. Didn't happen. We did do some Disney this weekend with our. Oh my God! They're all wives. Yeah, partners. Wow. Started from the bottom. Now we here. We had to take the horse to the old town road. I don't know. I trying to. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't work. To, trying to work it in there. It doesn't, doesn't work. work. Okay. It does not work at all. I just didn't realize that until now. I knew it. It's been great. Yes. It was wonderful. It was a wonderful trip out. I hope you guys had a good time. Let's talk about that Guardians of the Galaxy ride for a second. Yeah. Uh it man. I hadn't so I had never been on it in this incarnation of the ride, right? Mm-hmm. I had been on it when it was the Hollywood Tower of Terror. Correct. Same Twilight Zone Twilight Zone themed thing. And it's this big kind of I don't know, it's a giant building, tall shaped, and then they lift you up to the top and drop you. Ostensibly. <laughs> it wasn't like we were being dropped. I felt like we were being shot downward. <laughs> it, then- it was more like it, less dropping and more like they threw you up and down a bunch of times for an unclear number, like length of time. I will really need to do it again. Uh, Michael, you've been on it multiple times. Yes, I have. You mentioned that the music changes the ride. However, does does the music also changed what's on the screen, or is that always the same show? I want to say that there are small variations. I don't think it's exactly the same every time. the The gist of it is mostly the same, but I okay. think that there are small. There are a couple of small scenes that are slightly different. Okay, I would like to go on it again with different music because I feel like my body is still going up and down. <laughs> I was going to say, would it even matter what was on the screen? Can you remember? I was too busy holding on because I felt like I was flying out of my seat. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That was fun. It uh, was fun. How did uh, California Adventure live up to expectations considering uh, you hadn't been in a while? Now it's basically Pixar Park, which is what it always should have been. It was very good. Uh, I 
had been on some of the stuff before, like the roller coaster was still the roller coaster. Like as much as they rebranded it Incredibles or whatever, it look no, it's still just a roller coaster. It's, it's just reskinned. Yeah. Uh and that's very fun. Uh the Ferris wheel is great. Um, you know, I, I had a good time. That cars ride is actually really fun. I would say besides Space Mountain, that was maybe my favorite ride of the whole weekend. So important question. Did your car win? Uh, we went on it twice and we won once and lost once. Okay. It's important. Mm hmm. Well, we're all winners here on this podcast, no matter how things turn out, uh, unless you're playing Sekiro, maybe? Well, uh, that's unfortunate for me. <laughs> I am playing that game. Do you feel like a winner often in that game or more like not a winner? So it's weird because like when you play those Dark Souls-y, Bloodborne-y type games, they're a lot about small progress or like learning till eventually when you conquer the thing at the end. Right, yeah. And the problem is that I have like really low, like I have low tolerance for constantly making no progress but as long as i'm making some tiny amount of progress it's okay right right it's like oh okay i learned what that animation looks like when he does this attack yeah that's something okay if i walk into the battle and just die immediately over and over and over again and learn nothing that sucks and so far there has not been that much of that there has been some of that and that's usually when i turn the game off <laughs> <laughs> but you you always feel like the grind has a purpose. Yeah. I watched uh, John Lovett, who's a political commentator, but also a gamer on the side, um, but a very casual gamer trying that game this weekend. I watched a lot of, of his stream, and he was trying to fight Lady Butterfly, I think was her name. Oh, yeah. I... Uh, uh... I eventually conquered that boss uh, just before this weekend. I could see the frustration mounting and hear it in his voice and realize, I don't know if that's the game for me. I don't know if I would find solace in just like beating my head against the wall. I love puzzle games where, oh, okay, well, I had to try it two or three times. Like, you know, sometimes that Mario and Rabbids game felt like that where it was, oh, Okay, now I, I get it. Like, I have to bounce this guy over there, otherwise I'm never going to finish this level. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, but those are cerebral problems rather than Twitch memory issues. So, I think the difference here is that, yes, the game comes at you really quick, right? The, the, the attacks fly quickly. You know, you, you are going to have to get very good if you want to play defensively. But you don't have to play defensively. <laughs> you have a lot of attacks in that game, and it doesn't seem like it since you just have a sword and then your various prosthetic ninja tools. Um, but you can do a lot with just those things. Uh, there's multiple ninja tools you can equip and you can cycle through them. Your sword has a bunch of different strikes that you can use. Uh, I early on happened into a very cool combat art, which is sort of like a... You have to hit both block and attack to trigger it, and it's sort of like can do like, like a special move, sort of uh, that ended up doing really good damage to her, and also kind of like made her stagger a little bit. And as soon as you can get them, you know, kind of in a a loop or a pattern or something, you can kind of just like keep on them 
you know? Uh, and I found very quickly like a little pattern. I could use this art and then she would kind of stagger. And like I got into a rhythm very quickly with that particular boss. And I was like, okay, I know what to do now. Now I just need to learn, oh, she's going to do the one really big attack that does this thing. Or she's going to do the butterfly summon or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, and so like, you know, yeah, it transitions to the second phase of the fight or whatever, the the next part. And then I have to learn a whole bunch of new stuff and I die immediately because... <laughs> You didn't know that was going to happen. Right. But, and then you have you to know, do the, however many minutes over again. And that's kind of just like, woof. sure. But at that point I had died like 50 times on the first part and I like knew what to do. So then it was just execution, right? It's like, okay, I can do this. You get to the second part again. You see a couple things, you get that. And then, you know, you, know, you can, your combat loop still works. You just then have to look out for this other new stuff. Right. So, you know, I, uh, maybe I was lucky finding that combat loop early on that, like, I found a, an attack that could hit her well and kind of kept her off balance so that I was on the offensive rather than her. Um, You know, and in general, I feel like rushing in and kind of like getting up in people's faces and getting offensive in that game has helped me a lot rather than trying to be like the cool ultimate ninja guy who blocks every Shriuken and sword attack <laughs> or whatever and then kills them in one hit. Right. Uh, getting in there and slashing at him does a lot of work. <laughs> uh, or, you know, throwing fire or using firecrackers or spears or whatever other stuff. I think people t- tend to try and play defensively when they hear that it's a, a it's Souls-like game. You know, they think, oh, my HP, there's no way that it'll be salvageable. Um, and that's very true. It, it isn't salvageable. <laughs> uh, which paradoxically leads you to be like, well, I got to play more defensive and then I right. have to block and then you lose your HP faster and then you can't and it kind of traps you in that rhythm. But, you know, getting on the other foot, you know, it's like the boss wants to do its thing, but I don't care what their thing is. I want to do my thing. And my thing is to use this sword real good in your face. <laughs> uh, and I will say I was uh, I let out an audible cheer when I finally stabbed that butterfly lady uh, in the face real good at the end. If it was great. <laughs> was very happy. Hopefully it wasn't too late. Uh, it was late. Not too late. <laughs> Wake yeah. up the house. It's good. I, I love those moments. Okay. I, I can't, can, I can feel it. It, but it is, it does have its own kind of feel. And if you're, it definitely can't play it like Dark Souls or those Dark Souls games. Uh, maybe more like Bloodborne. I don't know. I didn't play that one. But, uh, if I tried to play this like I have played Dark Souls one through three, I would, lose or maybe there's you know more items later in the game that give you more ability to you know once you get more health upgrades and stuff maybe you can handle tanking the damage a little better um but personally i just find getting in there and trying to find some attacks that will work or spaces to find attacks between their attacks is what works best for me a lot of dodging and then attacking one thing that did strike me when i was watching that lady butterfly flight and a couple other things that he was playing through was i knew the aesthetic you know, you see it online, right, Michael, is like the, the samurai aesthetic, the very classic feudal yeah. Japan type look. Yeah, cherry trees. Cherry blowing trees. In the oh, yeah. Yeah, you got it. You knew. You know it. I know, I, what, you, I know what you're talking about. But that Lady Butterfly flight takes place under a burning building. Mm-hmm. And if you look up, I mean, it's literally, you know, roiling fire above you. I don't remember when I've watched people play Souls or Bloodborne or other ones those are dingy environments and not very fun to look at i mean this one definitely looks more like a game you'd enjoy the look of playing the environments so far have been surprisingly varied considering it's supposed to 
take place all in kind of like one imaginary country or whatever. Um, and the, yeah, like you say, that, that fight under the burning temple is very cool. Uh, there's the bosses in general have sort of had interesting, mm, arenas for lack of a better word. They're not really arenas, but you, you get my meaning areas where you fight the bosses, um, right. fight one out yeah. on the middle of a big battlefield covered with bodies and, you know, broken attacking forces and dead people and, you know, siege equipment and stuff like that. <laughs> You fight that one under the burning temple. So it's been pretty cool so far. Um, really a lot of just trial and error though, for sure. Nice. Just like, okay, I'm going to try this. I got this attack. I'm going to see if it goes. And then no, every, literally every time I try this on each of their moves, they just either counter it or they have, you know, some kind of, I don't get enough of a window to get anything going. And then you're like, well, all right, I'm dead. I learned I can't do this. <laughs> it sounds like, it sounds like the comment is very, momentum driven right if you can get the momentum early you're you're fighting downhill yeah that's definitely a good way to think about it if you are yeah who is in control of the pace of the fight it's like i found success by taking it you know putting it in my favor and getting a building up that momentum yeah speaking of feudal style stories and i think we can lead off the news because there's a lot of news. I don't know if you guys feel like... I, I feel overwhelmed with news. Say... A little bit. A lot of stuff happens, so it's good to have stuff to talk about here in the rad zone. Ooh. Bring it back. I love it. <laughs> I love the news zone is the rad zone. That's better. The news zone sounds sucky. The rad zone sounds like Game of Thrones is coming back next week. Yeah. Ooh. Feudal. Feudal, get it? See? Sekiro, Game of Thrones. Also I hard on it. people. People die a lot. Very true. (laughs) (laughs) I think that for the next week, I'm just going to be thinking of things to do to keep me busy until watching this show. Are you, is, I mean, Michael, have you, you haven't caught, caught up on this or no? No. So my wife has watched, I believe the first season. Uh, and I, when it first came out, I wanted to wait until I had powered my way through, um, not, not necessarily all of the books, although I have read them all now. Um, but, a good chunk of the books and it just sort of got to the point of, well, there's no sense in starting it now, you know, however many seasons in it will, but then, um, and then having to wait as opposed to just waiting for all of it to come out and then watching through it all at once. How do you avoid spoilers, man? Yeah, seriously. Uh, you, you blinders and earmuffs. Okay. Um, you know, basically social media blackout for the day after an episode airs and then you know news cycle being what it is right 24 hours go by and people are on to the next thing right that makes sense moves on pretty quickly okay that we are hotly anticipating it over here as well i don't know how we're not going to talk about it on the podcast we're gonna have to work our way through this <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> because i have a fe- feeling it's going to be an emotional ride <laughs> maybe uh, I mean, I hope that it is. Gosh. It's going to be hard not to watch to talk about it on the podcast. (laughs) All right. Let's get into some real news. Uh, Ubisoft is a game maker. Yeah. They like stuff that that I've liked to play, including Starlink Battle for Atlas, which they've decided they're not going to make toys for anymore. Shocker. Yeah, I have felt for a while like the toy 
video game accessory market has been getting kind of saturated. Were you actually surprised by this, or was this like a not actually surprised shock? Um, completely unsurprised shock when the Nintendo Direct a few weeks ago uh, announced that they were bringing new Starlink Battle to Atlas content to the Switch with Star Fox stuff. Mm-hmm. Meaning the game didn't sell except for on the Switch because they had a Star Fox toy that came with it. Which, yes, was also my impression of the game. I had an initial thought of like, ooh, I can run out and grab all those for cheap. And then I thought, but why? Good thinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping, I mean, Amiibo seems like it's still going strong. But other than that, is there, uh, somebody said, I think the Skylanders might be coming back. Is there a toys market still on this stuff? I just don't see it. I don't own any Amiibos, so I'm certainly not the one to ask about this. But I feel like that whole like toys game market, you know, Skylanders went away because it wasn't doing really the numbers. Was it Activision was looking for? Yes. Activision? Activision is Skylanders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Activision, one of the big publishers, if they can't make one of these games work, Nintendo, who has more beloved characters than mm-hmm. Activision does. Disney dropped mm-hmm. their version, too. Right, yeah. They yep. canceled theirs first, right? Yep. I mean, d- gosh, if Disney can't do it. <laughs> yeah, right. I thought it was interesting to bring this style game back, because this had all been dead before Starlink came out. And it was like, okay, well, we're going to have limited things in these huge, like, almost model quality ships. And they definitely sold people on the the Star Fox one because that was the first R-Wing that I ever remember seeing, like a little toy R-Wing of. They sure couldn't keep it alive beyond that. So I wonder if that means that after that Nintendo update with the more Star Fox stuff, it's kind of a dead game at that point. Do you think they're hurt by making toys that aren't toys? Right, you have this cool R-Wing, but it's not something that you can just hand your kid to play with the way they would play with like their trucks. Because you need it, like you need it for the game, and they can't smash it up. The Skylanders kind of were like that, though. They were kind of big, plasticky, action figurey type stuff. <laughs> At least in my memory, they are. <laughs> I think they are. Yeah. Um, I think the Starlink R wing actually transforms into a tank. Maybe I'm wrong. There's a game where it does that. Uh, definitely does that in the game. I'm trying to think of it. I might not, but hmm, I'm trying to think. I, to me, looking at it, it looks like those micro machine style models, where they weren't, yeah. yep, they weren't quite toys, but they could definitely be toys if you were gentle-ish with them. Toys for slightly older kids. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're probably right. All those things are probably hurt by the fact that they're not toys, including amiibos. Yeah. They're they're sh- they're shelf toys. They're not play toys and you're you're definitely right i sort of feel like amiibos are hurt in the same way that basically at this point the people going after them are the collectors mostly and i don't hear too yeah adults and people collecting them and not too many people are out there going like man i really want an amiibo Mm -hmm. like they have a market kind of like you know funko pops or those kind of things and they're like we're going after this and we're just going to hang out here Wow. The game stuff is like completely on the side or like (laughs) irrelevant. Speaking of irrelevant, (laughs) Sega, maker of fine 
remixes of Sonic games. Hey, Sonic Mania was well-received. Sonic Mania was well-received. I have played it, and it reminds you that Sonic games are hard, because you have no idea where you're going unless you look up guides. But... <laughs> <laughs> right like do i go up do i go down do i go left play it over and over and just memorize the right route i just remember being stuck in that casino stage till the end of time yep oh gosh yep Dude, i don't think we uh, maybe we've mentioned it briefly but they're making a genesis mini just like the other i had nine thousand other mini some sony and nintendo have done 40 games it's a lot four zero yeah yeah. Available in September. They haven't released all the US games, but uh Sonic, Gunstar Heroes, Castlevania, Shining Force, Doctor Which Castlevania was on the Genesis? Is that Castlevania Bloodlines? Castlevania Adventure Uh no, it's just the first one, I think. Just regular. The first Gen- one was on the NES. Yeah, I, I think it's a port. I don't think it's oh. yeah. Huh. Hmm. Okay. Dr. Robotnik, Echo the Dolphin, Toe Jam and Earl, Space Harrier 2, Altered Beast, Comic Zone are the few that they've released that they said are going to be on the U.S. machine. Toe Jam and Earl is a good game. Sure. It's a great game. I have two questions about this. One, it comes with a three-button controller, not a six-button controller. Why? Ooh. Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, that feels right in step with releasing the PlayStation without the joysticks, but... Go on. With a 40-game system, I don't think they're looking at releasing a Sega Genesis Mini 2 where you get the six-button controller. Right. And I'm not buying a Genesis Mini and then buying different controllers for it. Certainly not. Second question, Sega Genesis Classics is a title you can go buy right now for the Nintendo Switch which is only missing of the list that are the 10 games right there, Castlevania and Echo the Dolphin. All the rest of those games are on the Switch version of that. I was just going to, to say that I think Sega has done a pretty good job in general of porting their classic library to various platforms. Everywhere. A lot of them Steam. are on Steam and yep. the Epic Store. And, or well, Not Epic Store, but like Origin and a lot of places. You can get those games pretty easily if you want to play streets of rage 2 you can so bad controller i think you can get castlevania on the switch uh in summer when they bring out the castlevania anniversary collection still waiting to hear what those last couple castlevanias in that collection are who cares you're gonna buy it so am i (laughs) Mm -hmm. not if they don't include soten i'm not you think they wouldn't include soten i it's not announced yet they announced castlevanias one through four not so. Hmm. Sorry, they didn't even announce Castlevania 2. It's uh it's Castlevania original, Castlevania 3, Super Castlevania 4, and like one of the GBA Castlevanias. No, 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 sorry, not GBA, one of the Game Boy Castlevanias, which was cool because that hasn't been up anywhere else before. Well, anyway. Cool. So, it you know, who knows? Maybe it will be, maybe it won't be, but if I'm not buying it if it's not in there. Well, we've got four more slots there, so let's see. One, two, three, four. So, Rondo of Blood. Rondo, so that's five. Soten. Six. There's a bunch of other Castlevania games. <laughs> I, I mean, you could, you could go out at that point and do one of the GBA ones. Sure. 
uh, you know, or the 3DS ones that came later. Oh, um, those were good. I did play through those. So, you know, I, there's a lot of choices. Uh, there's also more classic ones. There was a, uh, I think Bloodlines is the one that came out in, on either the Saturn or the Genesis or something that really hasn't been re-released too many other times. That would be a good one just because it's been hard to get. Given the age of the first four games announced for that, I have to imagine it's going to be a collection of all older style stuff and then they could do, oh, this is the modern collection later when it's all the 3DS stuff. and Sure, which would then push Soden onto that more modern one and oh, like maybe man. end this one with Rondo or Dracula X or something. Okay. Yeah, so right. like that's why I'm on the fence about that particular one. Castlevania 2 is pretty good as far as I remember. Uh, Simon's Quest is legendarily bad. No, Belmont's <laughs> Revenge. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. That's the one that's on here. Uh, yeah. The the good Castlevania 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. As good as any of those old Castlevania games are. So I think we're all not on board with a Sega Genesis Mini, even though it looks super cool. Yeah, that three-button controller is... Uh... I think people that buy that are looking to complete their shelf collection of mini consoles. Got it. Yeah. That's my opinion. All right. Who's next? Uh, I have a fun article here uh, about speedrunning. Uh, and Ooh, nice. I don't know if you folks saw this, but uh, there was a insanely difficult Doom record that was finally beaten just recently. Uh, around the end of September. So I just saw this headline, but I didn't get to open it up. So I'm I'm glad that you're so you, I have you brought this up because I want to know I what have the record is. Done the research. So, <laughs> uh, this is a speedrun record in the original Doom for okay. Hangar, which is I don't know is it the first level? It's very early. Uh, the speedrun for that game, uh, the fastest time anyone ever beat it was uh nine seconds from the in-game counter and uh, ha what <laughs> uh so you know there's some stuff the level is pretty straightforward if you know where you're going okay uh you can kind of just run straight through it doom has a lot of interesting things in it i don't know how much you have seen from these old fps speedruns, but doom tracks your momentum in an interesting way in that when you press forward on the keyboard it gives your character kind of a bit of momentum in the forward direction. But if you press the strafe key, it gives you momentum in the sideways direction. Now, I don't know if you guys know how physics works, but <laughs> vectors. <laughs> and if you do forward and sideways at the same time, those two thrusts add together and you now have a bigger forward momentum in a diagonal direction, right? Right. So there's a lot of people running slightly diagonally in order to go faster. <laughs> However, that's not the end of it because your side strafe momentum is capped in original Doom at some specific number. I think they call it 40. Four uh, zero. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's like, there's a term for it. It's like a, a strafe run 40 or something that they call it. I don't remember the exact terms. There's a really okay. great video and article on Kotaku for people who want to read it. Uh, the video is like 20 minutes long and explains exactly everything about this. Um, but basically, combining these two movements, you can get up to this uh, 40 movement speed while strafe running. 
Well, there's a way to break that 40 cap on your straight because your forward speed is 50, but your strafe speed is 40. So that was always kind of the limiting factor there. By doing a different method of strafing, you can break that cap and get a 50 on your strafe. But it requires you to press four buttons at the same time, essentially. Oh, no. And so as a consequence, doing that movement is really tough because you have to hit all these buttons simultaneously to get the movement to work the way you want. And then that means, you know, if you get touched or hit, you also are unable to, you know, steer while doing this sort of movement. So this record was set in 1998 by a guy whose name uh, I have forgotten. (laughs) Great. Unimportant. doing, Doing real good here. Uh, but he said it in September 1998, and Doom, as you play it, records all your key impresses so that you can play back essentially what is like an old demo of your input. And oh, Doom, that's a really nice feature for speedrunners. Yeah, so it, it's it is guaranteed that if you have that demo that that original guy recorded, this is exactly what he did. So, could well, you use that to make a robot do this better? A taskbot, yeah, like a taskbot, yeah, a hundred percent. And I'm sure the task of this game is insanely fast. But the task also has access to as many inputs every every frame as it can. Okay. Uh, all this has been done by an actual human. Okay. Uh, but the the thing that's tricky about this is Doom's in-game clock, which is what they use to count the the speedrun records, is. Uh, it always rounds down. So if you get 9.99 or 9.91 seconds, you get a 9. So to beat this record, you have to get 8.91. Wow. <laughs> and that obviously is very difficult when the level is only 9 seconds long. Uh, huh. So they, uh, so someone very finally uh, it relies on a whole bunch of stuff with uh, this speedrunner named... Uh, for Shock Blast, uh, was finally able to do it. And it was really a competition between these two people, um, for Shock Blast and this other guy, uh, Liquid, who were able to master this technique of, of running the level when there are no enemies so that they could then try the technique in a level where there are enemies. Because it also relies on getting specific damage boosts to push you forward at just the right time mm-hmm. so that you can get there. Uh, the optimal speed run through the level with no enemies or whatever can be faster because it doesn't have to worry about getting hit. Uh, and if you get hit, you get pushed the wrong way. And now, you know, this is literally the fastest, like almost frame perfect way to get through this level for a human. I haven't seen a TAS. I don't know if TASs would be faster. <laughs> but, you know, they this person literally finished at 8.91, which is one frame below nine seconds. <laughs> Wow. That's insane. Yeah. Uh very, very cool. The the video that Kotaku has on there uh explains why it's so interesting. It was very interesting. Uh and the you know, just the amount of practice. Like they've been working on getting this to work since like twenty seventeen. That's how long it's like fifty thousand attempts or something this person has had to do in order to get it. So it's just really impressive overall. I I, I applaud people with that much patience 50,000 times is just yeah speaking of spinning your wheels and not feeling oh like my you're going gosh anywhere. i mean that's beyond a sekiro run <laughs> that's 
Oh yeah, way way. Because it's not just that you know the enemies move with ran with RNG like random movement. So if you just happen to walk into an enemy, you've lost one frame. That's it. You touch a wall, your momentum stops. That's it. You clip a corner. That's it. You don't open the door exactly the right way. That's it. You know, and you only get, you know, the whole thing is less than nine seconds. So this is a very <laughs> tiny amount of time. It has to be just perfect. Yeah, but at least it means you're not dumping a whole lot of time into any one run. And then, you know, you don't get three hours into your run and then make one small mistake that loses you the record. That is true. Hold on. It's nine, it's nine seconds and then you nine get reset. times 50,000. Divided by 67, uh, that would be minutes, divided by 60, 125 hours. Spread across multiple years, and also the the fact that this person had to be insanely lucky in order to get this to work at all. (laughs) So, wow. Very cool. I thought that was a fun little trip down you really learn some stuff about the way doom works at like a really really technical level yeah i've watched a a doom speed run uh at a gdq one year and you get some really interesting insights from the guys on the couch yeah and they can use this sort of like strafe run technique to jump over ledges that should be impassable you can get past doors and do all kinds of weird stuff because it's you're moving much faster than the game expects you to be able to. And so you can clear ledges and jumps that should be impossible otherwise. Michael? Um, so I have two. Uh, one that's actually... Uh, nice. One that's actually news and one that is, uh, let's say, news adjacent. I had two also. So we're all cheating today. Okay. JJ, um, go find a second one. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, so you guys are familiar with, uh, Humble Bundle. I'm, I know. Mm-hmm. True. Um, so I don't know how much you know, cause I didn't know a whole lot about it, about Humble Monthly. Um, a little bit. I, I've seen that it existed and that you, you basically subscribe to giving them money and then you get a bunch of stuff. Right. So they, they give you 12, um, for $12 a month, um, you get access to an early unlock title and then you get, um, a bunch of mystery games at the end of the month. I think it's, you get nine total in the bundle. So I subscribed to this one time way back because I wanted to play, I think XCOM 2. They had it as one of their humble monthly, the early unlock, basically. And I was like, you know what? $12 for this game is way cheaper than it's selling right now. Yep. And I don't think I played any of the other games. (laughs) (laughs) So as I understand it, they ordinarily do um, an indie title or something smaller just as sort of a tease for the first game. And then everything else drops at the end of the month. Well, this month they have changed gears and are apparently trying something a little bit different. Uh Oh, the unlock game to start the month is Assassin's Creed Origins. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Which is currently on steam for 60 bucks. It oh. has been on sale for like down as low as 40, I think, but getting it for 12 is uh, a lot less. Yep. 
And you get you get Steam keys or or how does that work through Humble Monthly? Well, I JJ, do you recall how Humble does there? So you should check the fine print because they will give you the game somehow. You're not guaranteed to get it the way you want it. Mail you a DVD. No, set. well, I don't think they do that. But uh, most of the games I've gotten through them give Steam keys, but oh, some have just says, given you. No, it says right here, and uh, you're closer to the bottom of the page. Uh, add them to your Steam library and play on PC. Bam. I, I would still be careful. I bet some of them are going to give you Uplay keys. Oh, no. Uh, which, you know, another launcher. Um, <laughs> but actually, it's dumb anyway because the Steam ones all launch the Uplay launcher anyway. So I don't know that you're really saving anything there. Yeah. Um, but it is, you know, the... You will get like so. There's a few smaller games I've gotten from them that have been direct downloads from them, or like here, just download this executable for this tiny little game. Mm-hmm. But the majority of them were Steam keys. Um, I may have gotten like one Uplay key for like Far Cry Blood Dragon or something way way back, but yeah, it's generally been that. Uh, people have been wondering when they're going to start giving Epic Store keys instead. <laughs> That's a good joke. (laughs) Not a joke. People are wondering. Oh, no. Uh, But because it's all mystery stuff, you can never know, right? Yeah. uh, So it's just going to be, hey, you're going to get some stuff. You're going to get it somewhere. I don't know. Deal. You don't know until you know. And at that point. Yeah. And by the time they reveal what all the other games were, you can no longer buy the previous one. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that makes sense, though. That's a heck of a deal. Uh, so that was one. Um, two was uh, presented to me in the form of a bet between two friends. Uh-oh. Uh, and I thought it would be an interesting topic of discussion for us. It it fits right in with our interests on the pod here. So one of the things that was in the news in this past week was that uh, tickets went on sale for a small budget indie film. I'm mm. guessing you mean... Uh... Shape of Water 2. Yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> I hadn't seen the first one, but I doubt that there's room for a second one of those. <laughs> there is there's not. So Avengers Endgame is coming. Yeah, Avengers Endgame is coming. Which you are probably more excited for than Game of Thrones. But I have to admit that I, while I'm very curious to see that film, uh, I've invested many more hours, maybe, <laughs> in the Game of Thrones series. Really, though? I don't know. There's a lot of those Marvel movies. How many? Did yeah, you but see? most of them are short, dude. They're like their their Disney Marvel films are. They got longer towards this segment and area of them, but a lot of them started out at you know an hour thirty, hour forty. Yeah, the okay. first Iron Man's not that long. Mm-mm. Yeah, no, no, it's not. Hmm. Whereas all the episodes of this season of Game of Thrones are an hour thirty. Yeah, but before that, they were like an hour or 50 minutes. Yeah. But there's seven seasons of it. There are 22 Marvel movies. Have you seen all of them, though? I haven't, but I am I feel like the less accomplished movie seeker of this pod, but maybe I I'm wrong. I feel like maybe we all skipped that Ultron one. No, I saw that one. Nope, saw that. Also, that one was like two and a half hours, which honestly it should not have been. I know we've all seen Thor 2, even though we shouldn't have. Yeah. True story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
I have not seen the new Ant-Man. I think I have seen all of the mainline ones. I saw that new Ant-Man. I think it's on Netflix. Uh, the new Ant-Man is, here. yeah. Watch what that. what do you mean by mainline ones? There's 22. Well, I'm not counting like Deadpool. That doesn't count anyway. Yeah, Deadpool's not in the MCU. Sure. Yet, uh, I guess. Yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess the new Tom Holland Spider-Mans count. Those are not mainline. The TV shows. You probably haven't seen all the TV. No. Yeah. Those yeah. none of those matter anyway. I haven't seen any of the TV basically, and I'm pretty happy with that. The promise of the one that was on ABC for a while, the Agents of Shield, Agents of Shield, that came out as a slur. Uh, slurred word, not a slur. I don't know what. Oh boy. Okay. So, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was a show yep. on ABC mm-hmm. with Coulson, uh, right. but it wasn't Coulson, but it was Coulson, but now it isn't Coulson, etc., because Coulson was supposed to be dead, and they had a bunch of people from the movies stop by and do appearances, including Sam Jackson and what's-her-name from How I Met Your Mother, who's a great actress, I just can't remember her name off the top of my head. Kobe Smulders. There you That's go. It. Yeah, that one. I... I apologize to her because she deserves her name said. She's dust now. <laughs> spoilers, I guess. A little late there, buddy. Uh, you could just say that for everybody. You know, it's not spoilers mm-hmm. if you just say it for everyone and nobody really knows. Although yes. Marvel has already done spoilers themselves. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, they're doing the press tour now for this thing. And they did a huge Q&A the other day. And they left open a bunch of chairs and for the people that are dead. Yep. So, if they weren't in that Q&A, you already knew they got snapped. Well, the posters before that, the Avenge the Fallen posters. Yeah, it's like telling the ones you that are die, in gr- The ones no. that are in black and white are all the people who are gone. So, if Marvel's already out there spoiling it, I guess we can't do spoilers, right? That doesn't count. I'm fine with that. Okay. Uh, the promise of that show, back to the... Was yeah. that then you would see stuff that might be at least I we you know, it was always like okay well they can't do stuff in the movies that people won't get but maybe there will be references or there were never re- any references or, or anything or like any characters popped up you know there's no like B B list characters that popped up in the background from the shows so I, that bummed me out and that got me kind of away from trying to track through all that stuff like Legion and all those other things that have since popped up. For it turns out that their plan for the cinematic universe didn't involve TV. What do you know? <laughs> all right. Uh, Sorry. All right. Let's that's, get, let's that's get back to the bet. To What's the bet? That? So the, here was the thought experiment, and it was the, the loser had to buy a movie ticket for the winner. Oh, boy. The first Infinity Wars movie, its opening weekend, it had a domestic gross of $257 million. U.S. or worldwide? U.S. domestic. Um, nope, I didn't hear the, you. I'm sorry. Sorry. Uh, the bet was: Would the new movie break 300? Opening say, weekend? Yes. No way. I will say that Captain Marvel made a lot of money very recently. I don't know if it hit that kind of opening weekend number. But the Avengers Infinity War was a very hyped movie at the time when it came out. It made a lot. This feels, at least in terms of like the fandom or whatever, more hyped. 
So I don't know. I, maybe that's a really high number. Fifty million dollars is a lot of extra people that. If you didn't see the first one, you're not going to go see the second one probably in the theater. Yeah, but you could have said that about any of the Avengers movies at this point. I mean, right? I didn't like, even see it opening weekend. Yeah, I think I don't. I don't think I did either. I waited until the, uh, you know, old man price showed up. <laughs> so, no. Two yeah. seventy nine. Okay, gonna put a number on it. Bam. Yeah, I feel like I feel like three hundred. That would be a record, right? If it hit three hundred, it would be a major record. I would believe. I feel like that would be like a best all time. I'm kind pretty of sure they own the highest. That is the highest, I think. Yeah. Right. So I I don't know if it'll hit that, but it's definitely going to put up big big numbers. And yeah, like maybe north of 250 or something. I don't know, but uh, 300 seems really high. Watch, we're all proven wrong, and it's like eight million or <laughs> 800 million or something. Hmm. Yeah, what I what I wasn't factoring in when I was trying to think it through was the fact that it's a lot longer than the last movie. So unless you're adding a bunch of screens, you're just not going to be able to show it as many times. Sure. Cool. I think they've said this one's almost three hours or something. And yep. the other one was maybe two and a half. The, the time, the temporal physics there doesn't work in your favor. <laughs> JJ, do you know what owns the largest worldwide opening of all time? Titanic? Here's Is a this hint. something really old? Here's a hint. No, it's not really old. It's within the last two years, uh, and you'll want to pour one out after you find out. Oh, Fast <laughs> and the Furious? Yep. Yep. Seven or eight? Uh, Fate of the Furious 2017 oh, has the largest eight. worldwide opening of all time. That's unfortunate. 540, but only 98 domestic. Fast 8 is the worst one. <laughs> of the more recent ones. Well, at least, you know, hey, I still like that series. Rip. Yeah, the, man, that domestic number is really low. So Fast and the Furious is basically the soccer of the cinematic world? Well, I can't believe that it's that low domestically and then... It must have gotten like 80 billion plays in China or something. Wow. Cray. Uh, so let's stay, keep on the TV movie kick here for just a second and do a little plug. Star Trek. Yeah. We release those Star Trek things every Friday in the middle of the month. And two days after you hear this podcast, we're going to drop another one. Star Trek, the next generation's famous episode, Darmok. Yeah. Ooh. JJ and I decided to sit down and chat about it because we've both seen it many a time, it turns out. Yeah. Um, and we wanted to kind of contain discussion on a very particular incident in time and space and uh, kind of see where our thoughts went on the direction of, of that episode in front of and behind the camera uh, to kind of test our our chops at... Well, we've done that before on this show. We talked about um, Stranger Things and a whole bunch of other TV, but really going to whet our appetite on starting up some Discovery viewing here soon. So we thought, you know, why not practice on some other Star Trek? <laughs> yeah, the Discovery viewing will kick off. We're going to do probably another one of those about 
episode one of season one of Discovery. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we'll watch more of it for after that. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll keep uh, the announcements here in the main pod and on the side pod for when those things come to pass. In the meantime, if uh, people want to send their guesses, if they have different numbers than 279 million. To, at podcast at we were gamers and email us we love hearing from people so send us your guesses we will refute them on air uh, <laughs> no, we, will, uh, we will thank you for the email and, and read it out loud um they can also get at us on facebook uh, instagram and twitter we were gamers in all of those places uh they can and should go to the youtube and subscribe to our channel i like very it. good perfect yeah. Mash that subscribe. Like those videos. Yeah. Mash Leave it us a hard. on your favorite podcast app. Uh, it looks like I have in my Steam library already that Sega Mega Drive and Genesis Classics collection with like 70 games. I don't know what they're doing, man. <laughs> <laughs> and it has Echo the Dolphin, which that... Anyway. Oh, well, there you go. Now what I don't do you need? Yeah. I have that Mega Drive and Genesis collection. The only game I have, Streets of Rage 2. They, at one point in a long time ago, it looks like I, I got it in 2013, did a huge sale where, like, the whole thing was maybe 20 bucks, all the, all the DLC. Hmm. So. Don't buy that. Thing, yeah. probably is the answer there <laughs> oh here okay opening weekend record holders in a single territory u.s and canada so that counts as domestic and every time the record's broken they put the year and the movie so starting in 1975 it's jaws at 7 million here i'll put this in the chat and then i know you gotta go jj but here's the I, info for you i need to know this yeah so, and then 2018 infinity war got 257 before that it was force awakens Wait, the, oh, this is worldwide. No, no, you scroll down and it breaks it down into territories. Yeah, yeah, here we go. Here we Opening go. weekend yeah. record holders in a single territory is what you want. And then okay. it's US and Canada. Got it. There we go. Incredibles 2 doing a lot of money out there. Oh, is that oh, under yeah. a different number? Under a different thing? Worldwide? Oh, no, no. It, it's a, no, it's, a, it's, I, it's higher than I expected it to be. Where are you so, at? It's number 11? On what? Oh. Biggest, opening biggest openings in a single territory. Yeah, that includes that China. Right one? That includes China, too. Keep scrolling. Opening oh, record weekend holders. record holders in a single territory. I see. Got yeah, it. Okay. Yeah, because the biggest opening weekends in a single territory, you have to cut out. Because you got Infinity War at 1 and 8. You see that? Right, yeah. Wrath of Khan, I see you there. <laughs> Where's that? Hey, in 82, man. 82. Wrath of Khan. Wow. It went, it went Superman 2, Wrath of Khan, and then Return of the Jedi. Look at that. There's two Star Trek movies breaking records then on Temple there. Temple of Doom. God, this, Hills Cop, the world used list. to be Last awesome. Last Crusade, man. Last Crusade, and then Ghostbusters 2. This would make just for a great movie marathon list. Holy cow. Every which way but loose. Yeah. What? Yeah. Look, yeah, it's a, it's an. Uh, no, I see it, but that's that's a random one to be on there. Batman Forever, though, mm. and Batman Returns. Uh oh, they were big Batman deals Re when they came out. I, I know. Batman Returns is fun. I don't know about Batman Forever. Yeah, I start to disagree a lot with this list. 
right around 1993. Jurassic Park? Jurassic, I like, yeah, Jurassic Park's okay. So, like, that one deserves to be on there. 97, Lost World's really good, but maybe not, shouldn't, I don't know. I love Sam Raimi Spider-Man was a big deal. Yeah, I remember it being a big deal, but uh, Spider-Man 3. Yeah, that yeah I don't know about not. that. Things go, have gone off the rails since then. Uh, Dark Knight is on there, so that's a good one. Deathly yeah, Hallows, I don't know about that. Back. Avengers. Jurassic World was not as good as this makes it seem. How did Beverly <laughs> Hills Cop make this list? Axel Foley was a big deal, man. I know. I just am surprised at that. I I love one and two of those movies. They're great movies. I yeah, just don't know well, how they gotta, made this you list. Gotta, you gotta think of the era too, right? Like that was that was when Eddie Murphy was Eddie Murphy. I think I would have been loved to have been alive in the era from nineteen seventy nine to nineteen eighty two where <laughs> Star Trek capped the list twice. Yeah. Pretty amazing. All three of the original Indiana Jones being on there good though. Yeah, you oh, wait, know. No, no, wait, the, no. The first one's not on there. No, the, the first one hardly ever is going to be on here, right? Because sure, yeah. because it's like, oh my god, the second one's coming. Now we all have to go right. because the first one was so good. Except for no, Star Trek doesn't count because everyone was like, oh my god, Star Trek's giving him getting a movie. So really, the only surprise would be Jaws. Because who would have thought Jaws was a thing people should go see? Well, I'm a little surprised that Empire Strikes Back isn't on this list. You have Star Wars, the re-release, you have Return of the Jedi, but Empire didn't, didn't make the list. Hmm. That does surprise me. I wonder if um, Empire got beaten out by, like, Star Trek or something because it came out in one of those years. Uh, it was 80, though, wasn't it? Wasn't it every 77, 80, 83? I really have no idea. <sighs> yeah, but see, like, the first Pirates isn't even on here. The first... Uh, uh, Nolan Batman's not on here. The first Harry Potter. Oh, the first Harry Potter is on here. No, it doesn't count though because the books were out first. Right, the books have been out for a just few like years Batman and Spider Man didn't count, but Ghostbusters one isn't on here. Superman one isn't on here. Batman original. Yeah, because Tim Tim Burton Batman, Tim Burton yeah. and Batman. Come on, everyone's gonna go see that. Oh, I know. It's just like that's the only one that's an origin story, really. All right, I got to bounce. Yeah, yeah. All right, Ben. Good stuff, guys. You Later. too.